Rookie Fever, the show that looks closely at NFL rookie values all year long. The Rookie Fever Podcast. We just having fun and we working, baby. That's it, baby. They come. And welcome to the Rookie Fever Podcast and another 2023 Rookie Profile. I am Mike the Feverish Fenero, and if this is your first listen, please make sure to subscribe so you do not miss one. My co-host Shane Swagger and I are releasing two Rookie Profiles a week all the way up to the NFL Draft, and we're making them short and sweet yet packed, each one with the information you need to help you in your upcoming Dynasty Rookie Draft. One more thing that will help you do just that is my guest, Austin Nace, co-founder of CampusToCanton.com's website, one I am using a ton right now in my C2C draft, which is way too early from what I hear. You can find him on Twitter at DebbieDeets. And you can listen to him on both the Debbie Debates podcast and Campus to Canton pod. Austin, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for uh, for having me on for the uh, the lovely intro there. And um, <laughs> I know I, I get to talk about a player tonight. I was shocked was still on the list available. So uh, I know doubly good here. I know, man. You ready to get into this? I am. Yeah, let's let's do this. Thing. Rookie fevers. Rookie player profile edition. All right. So the easiest question of the night. You had your choice of a decent amount of 2023 rookies. I think we said 12 might have been off the list by the time you chose. And one was available and you were happy. Let's tell our listeners who you chose, but more importantly, why? Because they probably already know who. Yeah, I chose Bryce Young here, quarterback at, well, previously Alabama. Um, My favorite quarterback in the class. Um, And I think he's a fun guy to talk about because he is one of those outlier type of guys that, I think some people are making it more difficult than it has to be as we kind of look at him because of his, you know, size or lack thereof. So I think he's a really fun guy to talk about. And uh, I'm excited to to kind of dispel some myths about Bryce Young. Nice. This evening. Yeah, because, you know, we have to get into that for sure. Of course, of course. He played in nine games behind Mac Jones his freshman year, took over the starting job in 2021 and won the Heisman Trophy and Maxwell Award as the nation's top player as well as the Davey O'Brien and Manning Awards as the nation's top quarterback. Last year's production in 12 starts dipped just a bit. He still ranked ninth in the FBS in pass efficiency, throwing for 3,328 yards and tying for 10th nationally with 32 touchdowns. He was the Sugar Bowl MVP, throwing for 321 yards and five touchdowns and a win over Kansas State. All right, Bryce Young will not throw or run drills at the NFL combine thoughts on this decision. Three out of the four top QBs are going to, and he is not. Is this a chess move? Do you not care at all? Is this because the other three have bigger arms and he doesn't want his arm compared to them? Or is it just a bunch of nothing? I think that last point is probably a <laughs> small part of the calculus. I think of the top consensus for quarterbacks, him, CJ Stroud, uh, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I definitely think he has the weakest arm. That's not to say that it's bad. I still think it's above average. I still think it's stronger than a guy like Joe Burrow's arm, who yeah. has seemed to done nice. do quite well for himself in the NFL. Sure has. Um, I, I think this is smart that he's not going to do anything there because I mean, really, our only question about Bryce Young, you know, he's 
He was a five-star kid. He was the top quarterback in his class. It, it was him or DJU coming out. And everyone, you know, you were team Bryce or team DJ. And <laughs> he went to Alabama, the, the king of the kings. And he won a Heisman his first year starting there and probably would have won a national championship that year if Jameson Williams doesn't go down in that, that championship game against Georgia. Like this guy just consistently has been highly ranked and has lived up to every expectation that we've had. So I don't think that that's a big deal that he's not going to throw anything there i think as you hinted we've we've alluded to a bunch we're just interested to see how he weighs in yeah let's talk about that elephant in the room right away let's get that out of the way his size all right worries concerns overblown doesn't matter (laughs) um i I don't think this i just think it's so overblown that people are worried if you look at guys like russ wilson like kyler murray i think those are kind of the size comps you hear with him right they both weighed or you know measured in a 5 10 5 11 at the combine so i don't think it's a killer uh, it's really the weight that I think scares some people because mm-hmm. he is very slight. And I actually like, so he's listed at 194 at Alabama. He swears that he's trying to get to 210. I went and looked at, at Russ Wilson and Kyler Murray coming out and everyone kind of, you know, said, oh, they're just so much thicker than he is. And maybe he doesn't actually weigh 194 right now. Who, who's to say? But Kyler weighed 207 at the combine and Russ Wilson weighed 204. Honestly, you could go on to any website and find uh, a lot of concern about it. If you look hard enough, there's there is absolute concern. Uh, there's a there's a statistic I I stumbled on that I had never seen before since 2003. No quarterback who weighed fewer than 207 pounds at the NFL scouting combine ever was drafted in round one. So yeah, I, like it makes sense because Russ was what around three guy or yeah. whatever. So and he's, yeah, so so your outlier, like how you started off the show, is like perfect. Like you you laid you laid the foundation for the show that. This is one of those outlier prospects that maybe you don't even have to overthink, which is typically the one you do need to overthink. But it sounds like maybe we don't. And here's one reason why I think you might agree. Todd McShay said he's tremendous under pressure. Throw out the measurables. He's just going to find a way to avoid contact. That's big at that size, right? And always be able to create and make that play that most quarterbacks can. Is that is that a fairly good description and make our listeners feel a little good about that size it is it's actually it's the first note that i kind of had under things that he does well yeah he he's an escape artist he's got in my opinion i and i don't even really think it's that close i think he has the best pocket presence of any of the top guys nice in this class if you're comparing him like paired with the i would rather have that guy who can feel pressure can you know identify where pressure is even going to come from before the snap uh, and who is comfortable getting out of the pocket and making the correct read with doing that than a guy like Will Levis, who's going to weigh in at 230. And I'll, I'm going to try not to just make this a, a, a Bryce Young hype fest and a Will Levis crap fest. But if you compare the two, Levis is the exact opposite. He's the guy that everyone says is more prototypical, has zero feel on the pocket at all. Like you constantly just see this guy getting crushed and it matters less because he's 40 pounds heavier, but doesn't feel pressure on his, like coming from the weak side, like, just has not done very well with like identifying coverages and, and, and uh, blitzes and things like that. Like, so I think I I would rather have the guy, like this is clearly something that he had to learn this to adapt for a weakness that he had. And he did it very successfully. Won a Heisman. Well, you know, was, you know, won a ton of games at at Alabama was very productive. So I, I I think that is where you have to start with him. And it's just, uh, it's, he's one of the better guys in the past few classes in that regard, really Burrow probably better other than that. Uh, not a lot of guys that have come out recently that I, I would say are better. That sixth sense that he has in the pocket, which is obviously very valuable in the NFL, that's that's a given. Is that what 
people confuse for him being like a dual threat because he didn't run for much in college at all 185 yards in the last two years like is that why people are calling him a dual threat I think so. He was listed as a dual threat quarterback coming out yeah. of high school as well. So I think that moniker is always stuck. 24 seven sports has, has done away with that yeah. completely. Like they don't even label guys dual threat anymore. So I think the perception might even be a little different just because of that two word sentence or two word, you know, thing that's attached to his profile ever since he's 15, 16, 17 years old. But he he's, he's, a, he, he can, he is mobile, but he is in that Tony Romo, that, that Joe Burrow, that, you know, even Tom Brady, who's not really a scrambler, but it's just, you know, a master manipulator in the pocket. Like that's yeah. just kind of the bucket that he falls into. And it, you can just tell it's very natural with him. Nice. Nice. So that's a good thing. So we know we know he can he can sense pressure, be mobile, get around that in today's NFL priceless. What's going to make him so successful in the NFL besides that? Some of the things that I look like that, that I look at personally uh, kind of indicate a combination of accuracy uh willingness to throw down field and willingness to kind of throw into tighter coverages where it's not necessarily a see it throw it guy it's a little more anticipatory you know the window's going to be there and you're confident enough to get it in there so a couple of the the, the items that i pulled here uh for tonight uh come from pff uh, my source for all of these um big time throws and big time throw percentage turnover worthy throws turnover turnover worthy plays and then ADOT those are kind of three things that I would like to look at because you combine those and kind of get an idea of how aggressive yet safe and you know competent accurate a quarterback is so looking at those three metrics Bryce Young last year finished 22nd in the country amongst all quarterbacks with 23 big time throws and a percentage of about 5.7 percent I went and looked at the other High-end quarterbacks that we talk about, Stroud was at 7%. Caleb Williams, who's next year, is at 6%. Uh, Drake May was at 8.4%. So, like, holy crap, that's yeah. you know, pretty crazy. Damn. Anthony Richardson, 5.5%. Will Levis, 2.3%. Wow. Yeah, so that I actually wrote oof in my notes uh, <laughs> besides that one. That uh, turn, like an oof. It's that It was very, very low. I had to keep... Yeah adding more rows to the data till I got to Levis. Like it was like filter by top 50 wow. filter by top hundred. I was like, Oh, come on. Damn. Um, turnover worthy plays. Uh, he was lower is good. Like you don't want top number one in this category means like you turned the ball over a lot. He was 103rd in the country amongst all quarterbacks with nine turnover worthy plays to compare to again, to some of these other guys in the class, Stroud had 16, mm. Anthony Richardson had 13, Will Levis had 13, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, 11, Drake May 16. Um, so again, he did better than everybody else yeah, in that category, despite the fact that he's throwing big time throws at roughly the same rate, or at least in the same bucket. And then his a dot was exactly 10. So average depth of target downfield showing you how you know willing he is to push the ball 48th in the country, pretty middle of the pack. But again, if you look at all the guys, Comparably, again, Stroud, 10.7. Caleb Williams, 9.7. May, 10.4. Uh, Richardson was 11.5. That dude just wants to sling it every time he gets his hand <laughs> on the ball. And then Levis was 8.6. So, again, like he is pushing the ball just as much as these other guys with a higher uh, uh, big-time throw percentage, and he's turning the ball over less or you know putting the ball in harm's way less. So just all those things together tell me that he's accurate, that he's – confident in what he's doing in his arm and that he has the arm to get the ball downfield and be successful doing that. So all those things put together kind of give me a picture of who he is. And I really, really like that he's top or close to the top in every single one of those categories amongst this class. 
I like that you compared him to his classmates, if you will, sure. coming into the NFL, because it gives you like a, a better idea. And it really leads into my next question, because at first glance, this question doesn't seem like it's going to have any content, but it will. It absolutely will. So this is why it will. Um, landing spot for all of our players and rookie drafts change our opinions on players. They just do. If they go to really crappy landing spots and the other guy goes to a really great land, a uh, really great landing spot, we flip flop them. So I want to ask you before landing spots, how close is CJ Stroud to young? Is it, is it close or is it, is there a little bit of a gap there for you prior to landing spots? Cause if it's narrow, a landing spot could flip them for somebody in, in super flex rookie. It, drafts. It was, I don't want to call it a significant gap, but there was definitely some some light shining through there between Young and Stroud for me. Okay. And then Stroud went out in that national semifinal game against Georgia and played the complete opposite of how he's played all year in a good way. Like, was extremely mobile, was rushing, was feeling pressure early, like doing all, I was like, okay, I've never seen this guy before. <laughs> uh, I thought maybe he could do it, but this is really cool that now he is doing it. Um, so I think they're close enough now where, you know, I don't know if there is truly, uh, what's, what's a horrific landing spot this year, I guess, Houston. Yeah. I think Houston wouldn't be a great spot. I think there's much better spots for, for, uh, for a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So Houston's really the only one that would give me pause. I think everywhere else is close enough that it wouldn't really change it for me. Um, so I, yeah, I guess fingers crossed. He doesn't go to Houston. What's the best landing spot of the ones I gave you? Colts, Seahawks. Raiders, Falcons, Panthers. I'm going to go and say Falcons. Okay. Weirdly. Yeah, that is a little, that's a little, I like it though. I don't know that they have a lot going on for them on the offensive line, but I also think that they, if I remember correctly, have the cap space to do some things there. They obviously have Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think they'll have another running back drafted this year to kind of team up with Tyler Algier, but that's a pretty solid backfield. You put all that together, like the weapons are good. And I think, like we were talking about earlier, his skill set, the line doesn't have to be 10 out of 10, A plus. Like it might have to be for CJ Stroud. Again, that Georgia game maybe has changed things a little bit in our minds, but I think he could go somewhere and the line doesn't have to be perfect and he can mask a lot of their deficiencies and worst comes to worst scramble around a little bit and heave it up to Mr. Pitts or Mr. London. So I think the Falcons would actually be a really intriguing spot for him. If he were to go there, definitely like it for Pitts in London. Yeah. Um, to just to follow up what you said, the Falcons have the the second most room in the cap in the entire there league. So it uh, looks like right now, currently 55 mil. How NFL ready is he to put up some numbers for our fantasy teams? I think he's plug and play tomorrow. I would expect high end QB two production for him if immediately as a rookie, um, nice. with the chance to grow into a perennial kind of back end to mid tier QB one. He's a savvy, smart guy with the tools to uh, to make it work. So I, I, I realistically, I would expect like a QB fifteen or sixteen finish next year. Well, you're crushing this profile. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna dive in a little bit. We talked about two of his weaknesses. Are there any other weaknesses you wanted to go over with Young? No, I, I, the, the size is the big one. Yeah. And, you know, I know. I know a GM is terrified to get fired, taking him because he is the outlier. But I think we've seen some of these mm -hmm. size guys actually kind of work out. Like if they just have the pedigree, they just have the pedigree. Like Devonta Smith a couple years ago, like 
yeah, okay, he's 162 pounds, like fresh out of the pool, but he just has like extremely prolific at Alabama. Like, did every I checked every box you could have, except for he was a little skinny. I think Bryce Young is similar. Where like, okay, what else did you want the guy to do? He almost threw for 5,000 yards. He lost basically every single offensive weapon this year and still ran it back and had them in the chase for the SEC championship until you know later in the season there. Um, and it is this year was not like a good Alabama team. Like it was an like by Alabama standards, this was not a good team. So for him to do that with, you know, not great skill guys, the offensive line was not particularly strong. Um, like I, I think he's unlike a lot of Bama guys that people say you know, they were surrounded by everything and you know, kind of spoon fed. I think he showed that he's that, that, that that's not a thing for him. So I, that, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's the big one. Point. I think you, you have to talk about it, but I just think if a guy's that good, like you just say, like, screw it. I, I think he can just <laughs> do it. And I think as a GM, I would ra- way rather fail on the guy that I think is probably a better football player, but maybe the size ends up limiting him than a guy that just like looks like your prototypical NFL quarterback, like, you know, cough, cough, Will Levis. Um, like I would rather fail on the Bryce Young side of the spectrum than just, you know, hand ring and say, oh, well, we drafted the biggest guy with the strongest arm and it just didn't work out. I think that's an excellent point. We talked a little bit right before I, I jumped on. I told you a little bit what I do for a living and I hire actors to be in TV commercials and my clients always want to pick the actor that looks the part. And I, as a director producer, always want to pick the actor that's a better actor. So I feel like it's very similar when you were, yes, when you were telling exactly. me all that, I was just like, I was feeling it. Cause I was just like, I was like, it doesn't matter what he looks like. It matters what he can do. You know what I mean? So like, I think we get hyper-focused, especially this time of the year on that. And I think as this process moves on, I think, I think where you have Bryce Young now will just be where he is for everybody. And we can just let go of the, the size stuff. I think there'll always be people that want to squeeze out every single ounce of fantasy value. And by that, you know, they, they're looking for the, the ultimate rushing quarterback weapon. Sure. I would just rather touch on the guy that I think is, you know, going to hang out in the league. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe QB one is not in his range of outcomes. And I would say that's probably accurate unless he just goes to an offense that allows him to throw like 800 times a year. <laughs> but I feel a lot better that like, if I get 80% of Bryce young for the next year, like he doesn't quite hit his ceiling. He'll still be a pretty good NFL quarterback. And if, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis hit, you know, that similar outcome. They're right. like not in the league in five years. And that's, I, I know that those are things that we can't control. So people say, sure. just go take the guy that has the highest upside and take it sure. from there. But I just, I think you have to account for that too. So unlike most outliers, you're saying Bryce Young has a magnificent safe floor in your I, I Yeah, I, I really do think he does. I mean, it's, he played in the SEC. He's yeah. got Georgia, got, you know, he's got Jalen Carter running at him. He's never really been injured. He had a really weird, shoulder injury this year where he kind of fell awkwardly going out of bounds. But other than that, he's, I mean, I, I don't know that there's a better battle tested kind of guy coming out of the sec than he is. Yeah. You brought up Devonta Smith earlier and everyone was concerned about his, um, you know, staying on the field and that guy hasn't missed a game. Exactly. You know, he's just like Gumby out there. Like it's, it's awesome. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you um, a class c- comparison. I'm not, uh, I, I don't know if I coined that myself or not, but uh, certainly not going back to last year, which is what I typically would do. I had to go back to the previous class. If you were going to rank Bryce Young in the 2021 draft class with Lance, Fields, Lawrence, Wilson, and Mac Jones, where approximately do you put him? 
Yeah, he would still be my he would be my third guy in the class. Um, Trevor Lawrence was number one for me, and then Fields was two. And I was pretty like I I said on a lot of different shows, you know, Fields would have been my top guy in like every other class for the past five years. He just so happened to run into Trevor Lawrence, and I think Young is you know kind of similarly in that boat, like not quite Trevor Lawrence and probably not quite Justin Fields, but still probably better than any other guy from like a pure prospect standpoint uh, than you know the the Herbert, the Burrow, the Tua, um, you know, some of them, and then, you know, the Lance, the Mac Jones, those guys. Gotcha. Now we don't do player comps here. We don't ask you for a player comp, but I ask you for a player comp reaction. De- uh, Daniel Jeremiah compared him to a young Drew Brees. I'm assuming it's because of the height. Sometimes this stuff is just too, too simple. But anyway, what do you, what do you think about, what do you think about that comparison? Yeah, I actually don't hate that comparison because cool. Drew Brees was never, you know, he wasn't, uh, he, he never had an amazing arm either. Yeah, um, but, you know, kind of knew how to work the pocket, was a savvy guy. Yeah, I think that's really, really good. Um, cool. I've heard other people say, you know, Flutie. And so it's, like, it's just, it's a rare guy to comp. <laughs> it's like, okay, like there's like four of these guys ever. But uh, yeah, I think he favorably comps to, to that. So Matt Miller decided to go a different direction, didn't go with the height thing and went to a tag of Aloha. I could see that. I think uh, Bryce Young is better at driving the offense than mm. Tua was. Like Tua, Felix Sharp, one of my you know co co uh, founders oh, yeah. and 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 guys over at C two C, calls Tua like kind of like just like a, a distributor, like a high end game manager. And I don't think that's like he doesn't mean it insultingly. He just means like you know get the ball out of his hands. Like he can put it where it needs to be when it needs to be there. Like very high level. And I think Bryce Young just gives you a little more than that. And I think, nice. you know, part of it's because his, you know, leg didn't rip out of his hip uh, in college uh, for Tua. But uh, I, I think he can give you a little more than that. Yeah. And Tua, even with the concussions, is still very valuable in, in fantasy football. So that that's, that's saying a ton. All right. I'm going to move on to the final two questions. But before I do, is there anything that I missed? One of my questions didn't pull any information out for you for Bryce Young, or did we cover it? No, I think we hit on uh, every single point that I had written down here. Awesome. All right. Well, I did my job. You certainly killed it. Let's talk about these uh, these last two questions, and then we'll get you out of here. Who is your guy in this year's draft? Who do you just feel this is somebody you want on your your, uh, dynasty rosters? So I came on the show last year, and my profile guy was George Pickens. And I talked about how he was going to be undervalued because he kind of missed that third year with injury, and he had some – off-field concerns, uh, which, by the way, were legitimate. We've heard some wild stories about George Pickens <laughs> behind the scenes. But I think Boutte, coming out of LSU, has a lot of similar things going on. You know, he missed end of sophomore year and didn't really look right junior year coming back from that mysterious lower leg injury. It sounds like it was calf Achilles-related, something like that. Didn't look as explosive. Uh, had a way worse quarterback. Didn't seem like he was super interested in playing with him because the quarterback wasn't very good. Um, but I, th- and obviously then, you know, he said he was going to come back and then again, rumors, rumors emerge about some extracurricular activities. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Um, so, but I, I think you're getting a little bit of a discount on him where it seems like he, at least right now is locked in as like an early second round guy. Uh, in, in rookie drafts, at least that seems to be uh, moderately consensus. And I think we forget when he's healthy, like as a true freshman, he had a 300 yard receiving game. And I believe down the stretch at the end of his freshman year and beginning of sophomore year before he got injured, I think he had like one game where he didn't either catch a touchdown or have like 
80 yards receiving. Like he was consistently productive as the main offensive piece uh, for LSU again in the SEC. So I think, you know, if he is healthy and explosive and he doesn't get drafted in like the sixth round of the NFL draft, which I find unlikely, then I'm going to be all about uh, Keishon Boutte. And I might even snag him with like, you know, 112, like 111 wow. type range and not really messing around and trying to wait for him. I'd rather have him than like, say, Flowers. Um, I'd rather have, I have him rated higher than Quentin Johnston, even though I understand oh, wow. the argument for why I shouldn't do that. Um, like, I, I just think he's a better player than them if he's healthy. Yeah, he's very polarizing right now. For me, it is going to be um, very much like with the Pickens thing. If he goes in the second round, that, that tells me the NFL doesn't care about that off-field stuff. And then you all obviously go into a healthy organization like the Steelers. Um, if you know, if, if if Booty goes to a nice organization where I feel like you know they're they're not going to let him uh, get too out of hand, uh, he'll go up my draft boards as well. What about conversely, one guy you just you think everyone's going to overdraft, man? Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are too easy. And I think, you know, like Will Levis is it's too easy of an answer. Um, so I'll go. So Zay Flowers is one guy that I just think is a little overvalued right now. Um, like, I think he was pretty good in college. I think he has a a decent skill set. He's also and I don't, people don't really talk about this. Like he is a very he's not very physical at all um, to the point where I worry if teams get their hands, like corners get their hands on him, how he's going to do. looks like he bulked up a little bit. I don't know if that'll help or if he's just pulling a Jalen Rieger before the draft. <laughs> um, so I, Flowers is a big one for me. And then I think the the category of guy that I say, like he's probably going to be a better NFL player than fantasy player. Mm. And these are guys that probably get drafted moderately early in the draft, but like, you know, they're not high volume guys. Yeah. Like Darnell Washington, the tight end. Like I don't, I've even at times said I think he should just convert to offensive tackle. I think he'd be an amazing offensive tackle. Wow. Uh, Tyler Scott, Jalen Hyatt, like these kind of small, deep, deep ball guys. Like, I don't know that the volume will ever be there for them. Your, your, your ceiling is Will Fuller, and that's, you know, a good player, but that doesn't always uh, translate. So I think those are the other guys, that bucket of guy that I just think is like, yeah, an NFL team will value him because he's really freaking fast and he can stretch the field for you. But like for fantasy, does that translate? I'm not so sure. These are like my favorite two questions to end the show because you get all this bonus information, right? We spend so much time talking about one player and then you get like what you just did, which is awesome. I think you named like three or four players, uh, which is great because um, it's it's we're all going to do this different in our rookie drafts. Um, but I, I love that uh, for a lot of different reasons. Austin, man, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Uh, please tell everyone where they can find you, your content, and anything else you have coming up, because I think there's a, there's a guide coming out over there at CCC. There sure is. Yeah, thanks. So thanks for having me on again. Uh, at Debbie Deets on Twitter. Um, literally everything I do is at campusdecanton.com. Uh, the podcasts, uh, all my rankings and things are over there. Uh, we're recording this at the very end of February. By the time everybody listens, our freshman supplemental guide will be released, which is kind of the crown jewel in my opinion of like all the things that we do and everything is very, very good, but this is kind of my baby. Um, it gets everybody ready for the C2C drafts. Uh, you know, that we draft for sickos for anybody that doesn't, you know, campus Canton leagues. Like you have a, a, a full college roster, full dynasty roster, two championships. And then like the, you know, like a rookie draft, these guys all just move directly up to your team if you have them. So it, um, it, it you kind of have to identify these guys at 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, to get that leg up. So we have a 200 ish page guide coming out, just, you know, 
ranking. We, we have an amazing team that works on this. They do all sorts of, you know, measuring on-field speed and uh, collecting data that really nobody else is doing. And I think it's, um, it's, it's the only thing like it out there. And I think we do a really good job on it. And I think it's um, really good information all around. So that'll be out. Uh, select memberships at C2C, get it along with their membership, or it's just $20 uh, separately if anybody is interested in purchasing it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll vouch for C2C. Anyone listening to Rookie Fever knows that we, uh, we're we huge fans of Campus to Canton, and uh, you're right, no one else is doing it. Like, no one else is doing it. And one could say, well, if no one else is doing it, we can kind of just do it half-ass and get away with it. You don't do anything half-ass over there at Campus to Canton. It is a remarkable site packed with information i don't know how you guys all do it uh like i said i had a um a, a campus side draft already and uh campus can was the the only place i could go to 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 get rankings on freshmen to get these names and get information where where i felt like it was you know at least an educated guess as opposed to like if i had gone on there and just picked from an espn list or something like that so uh, really excited about that guide coming out. Really excited about you joining us tonight. Thank you again, Austin, and thank you, our listeners. We appreciate you. This is the Rookie Fever Podcast. Please do not forget to rate and review, and please do not forget to be awesome. get a fever that's hard to bear, When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. In the morning, fever all through the night. Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. Rookie fever. When you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing Fever started long ago now Who got the one-on-one scouting has never done this to be full and run I told you anyone Size and speech just unreal Landing spot not ideal Wait, what's this breakout It's for rookie fever stage Romeo loved Juliet Juliet, she felt the same When he pulled his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my friend Wow, we give a fever When we kiss it Fever without planning you Fever I'm a fire Fever, yeah, I burn for soup Cause I got the fever, now you got the fever, so she got the fever, and she got the fever. No cure for the fever, so let's beat the fever. Thank God for the fever. Thank God for the fever.